What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Boston Celtics select Jason Tatum from Duke University. Brown on the break for the Celtics. Goes around the world. Oh, the circus game in Boston. Walker for three. Kemba Walker from downtown. Tatum drives down and throws it down. Wow. Rebound. Gordon Hayward for two. Gordon Hayward with a corner crash. No block. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Bet Online. My name's Tom Westerholm of MassLive.com. I'm joined by Nicole Yang, the Boston Globe. Nicole, uh, <laughs> how have you been occupying your coronavirus time recently? Uh, we're both self-quarantining. What you been up to? Well, Tom Brady's free agency has kept me pretty busy in terms of work lately. And it actually has kept you busy, too. Yeah, I've had to pretend that I know anything that happens in the NFL. Uh, a couple of times now, I wrote about a young man named DeAndre Hopkins, who <laughs> I had like a vague... Like, if you told me DeAndre Hopkins was a football player, I would have been like, yeah, 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 for sure, for sure, for sure. Like, I knew that. And that would be it. I mean, I would have... Yeah, no, no, that would have been it, because I thought he was a quarterback. <laughs> Okay, Tom, let's not let's stop this before you expose yourself too much. No, I'm fine with it. I don't know okay. anything about football. He's not a quarterback, right? He's a wide receiver. One of my favorite Tom tweets ever. Sorry, was... I'm actually no Nicole, I'm actually asking. He's a wide receiver, right? Yes, he's a All wide right, receiver. Cool. One of my favorite Tom tweets ever. Tom is like very much into the high school basketball and scouting and the draft and stuff. And so the Patriots had just beat the Chiefs in the AFC championship two seasons ago. And people were going nuts because the game was insane. It came down to, I think, like the fourth quarter. And Tom, like, people were just going crazy. And Tom just tweets because it was the same weekend as Hoopal, which is like this uh, high school basketball tournament in Springfield. Just tweets, You guys want to hear more about the prospects now or no? Like, on point. <laughs> yeah. I think I deserve some credit for knowing that there was a football event <laughs> going on at the same time. Also fair. Yeah. Um, I've been occupying my time. I went out and bought a PS4 uh, yesterday, and I've been playing quite a bit of 2K. And my my player got actually got drafted by the Celtics, which was an interesting coincidence. And he and Grant Williams, it's Tom West, because Westerholm <laughs> is not a name that shows up in 2K. So, like, if you if you just put Westerholm in there, they're just going to call you by some dumb nickname the entire time, like Beast Scores, and that just sounds stupid. So I'm Tom West on there, and he has a great connection with Grant Williams, close friend of the show. So that's how I've been occupying my time, and also, you know, being a parent of a two-year-old who likes to go outside and put things in his mouth and throw things. So Good, good. We're going to talk some... Uh, basically, we're going to cover what Adam Silver had to say today uh, on this on this episode. Adam Silver talked to Rachel Nichols. Uh, he 
went through a lot of basically sort of a state of the union address, I would call it, uh, at least in terms of the NBA. Nicole, you watched the whole thing. You took some some very quality notes that I've been uh, skimming over here. What what stood out to you about what he said, the tone that he sort of set and just where things are at right now in the NBA world per Adam Silver? So one of my biggest takeaways was that we just don't know what's going to happen, which can sort of be a frustrating feeling, but it's totally understandable. And I get why he won't take a hard stance in terms of when the league might be coming back. If the league does come back, will it be regular season or playoff games? If the league doesn't come back, what's going to happen to the NBA calendar? There's a lot of just like logistical questions that he just can't answer given the state and the uncertainty with the coronavirus pandemic. So that was my biggest takeaway was just like, we don't know if there's going to be basketball, but Silver did admit he's an optimist by nature and he, for a variety of reasons, both I'm sure like personally, he cares about the owners, players, coaches, he wants basketball to be back, but also he acknowledged like the NBA is a moneymaker and it could really jumpstart the economy. So it seems like he's going to do whatever he can. He said, we're going to try by every means we can to play basketball again, while obviously putting the health and safety first. So they're going to do what they can. We'll see what that looks like. He laid out some options that we're going to talk about later, but it seems like they haven't completely resigned to the fact that the season is over. Which you and I talked about this. I I still think it is. Um, (laughs) I just think the logistics are going to be insanely tough and I think that the NBA I think inadvertently like the rest of the United States right now is sort of even with everything that's going on even with everything shutting down even with all the sports leagues unprecedentedly taking a break I think people are are underestimating a little bit how bad this is going to get over the next couple of months here and we'll we'll see I mean I I really hope I'm wrong but I, I also really think that people don't necessarily have a sense of of where this is headed necessarily or if they do have a sense they're sort of holding out hope that something is going to change that one thing that I did really feel for Adam Silver on he he pointed out that nobody contacted him to tell him that the NBA shouldn't be playing and you and I talked right after the the league shut down about how people probably shouldn't give the NBA too much credit they made the only decision that was possible for them once Gobert tested positive there was really nothing else they could do. They had to stop play. They had to get people out of arenas. They had to get players away from other players. They they really made the only choice that was left to them. That being said, I do think Adam Silver has a point that, like, I mean, he was getting no direction from anybody. He, the only direction he has, you know, generally is from, like you said, the players, the owners, the, you know, the people that are underneath him, the, the people in the league that he's in charge of. He didn't have any direction from the federal government. The only thing that he health had officials from even. health officials, he didn't have any of that. We didn't. We were really slow on the uptake here, and that is, I think, going to cost us extremely dearly. But in the NBA's defense, that is something that they could have really used with some direction. They never got that. They never got an order to do anything. I feel for him there because he's in charge of a billion, billion, billion dollar industry, something, as you pointed out, that jumpstarts enormous parts of the economy. And he's in charge of all these arena workers that we've talked about several times that that he, he doesn't employ them, but it's his league that creates jobs for them. It's his league that creates you know jobs in the media for people like you and me. And 
that I, I I really feel for him because he is at the center of all of that. He has to make tough decisions on that. And when the time came, it was him on an island alone making calls. And he made the right call when it became obvious that it needed to happen. Right. And obviously the NBA is a global league. He has been in contact with like associates in China and is aware of the situation there and sort of how they were dealing with it. And he was able to sort of gauge what it might be like. But I think he also offered good reminders when he said only a week ago, most to use his term jurisdictions were not even recommending playing without fans. Like they were, yeah. he noted that there was only one NBA city that had passed an ordinance that said games shouldn't be held in front of fans. And that was San Francisco with the Warriors. So the yeah. decision seems so obvious now, but it's incredible to think about what people were saying a week ago, two weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, it's wild to think that eight days ago, it seemed really like a big deal that they were thinking about playing in front of no fans. And now, yeah, like eight days later... <laughs> everything is shut down. I'm out buying a PlayStation because I'm not sure whether or not I'm going <laughs> like, to be quarantined in my town in a, you know a few days here. So yeah, things moved very fast. So I do feel for him there. I, I do think yesterday we got news that Kevin Durant um, and three other Brooklyn Nets players tested positive for coronavirus. And there has been this mini controversy online about NBA players getting tested as opposed to, you know, as opposed to just the general public. Like they have access to tests that the rest of us don't. What's your take on this controversy? A lot of people have, have sort of weighed in on it. I have my opinions on it, but let's go to the sane person in this uh, <laughs> on this podcast. What's kind of your take on this? I think before we start discussing like the larger issue, I think it's important to acknowledge just how influential Rudy Gobert's test was mm -hmm. um, had the league not tested Rudy Gobert basketball could still be happening it could have happened for at least a couple more days and it should have been happening we know now very clearly um, so I think it's just important to sort of realize like okay that test was very important since then however Silver noted that eight teams have been tested and that is I mean eight times at least Eight times 15, which can yeah. you do math, Tom? No, I cannot. But yes, your point is 180. Is that right? No, that's not even close. But 15, 15 <laughs> times Thanks, eight is, is what? It's in like the 120. 70s, wow, we both. That was really embarrassing. We might need to cut that. No, no, no. We're leaving that in. We both need to, uh, we both need to live with that shame. Okay, so at the very least, that's 120 people. Over the span Some of a week. Some would say 70. <laughs> um, and we know the night of that Thunder Jazz game, the Jazz used up to 60% of Oklahoma's tests mm -hmm. because they used 58 for the, like, their traveling party staff, etc. So that has sort of like angered a lot of people with how quickly NBA players are able to get these tests. I mean, one silver noted that the Utah jazz did not ask to be tested. He said mm -hmm. that an Oklahoma health official not only required them to be tested, but they weren't allowed to leave their locker room for at least four hours after the game. So that I felt like was just an unprecedented situation. Obviously it's not a good look for an NBA team to all of a sudden rapidly acquire like 60% of Oklahoma's daily supply of coronavirus tests during mm -hmm. a pandemic. But it seems like that sort of situation sort of just 
was out of their hands. And Silver says, it's unfortunate that we're in this position as a society where it's a triage when it comes to testing. Yeah. So I think that situation is sort of different. It seems like the other seven teams are getting tested through private labs, which means that they're paying like out of pocket to receive the testing and the results. My issue with that, and and all right, so we'll get back to the, the, the private companies. My issue, the first one, Utah is fine. I get that one. I get why yeah. they needed to test everybody there. Like that was that was a matter of public health. They were wondering at that point. We didn't really have any information because, again, we haven't really gotten a lot of direction on this. And and seven days ago, we had gotten no direction on this from anybody at the federal level. So, you know, that night, using a bunch of tests on a bunch of people that might have infected everybody in the arena. Like I get that one. That's fine. I have no problem with that. Since then, I'm not so sure. You know, he, he calls it an unfortunate situation and all of this. And I, I yeah, he's he's right. Like, it's, you know, it, it's not the NBA's fault that we're in the situation that we're in. You know, it's not, it, it is unfortunate that we're in a position as a society where it's triage. Yes, that's true. My problem, I guess, isn't really with the NBA going out and pursuing these private tests. My problem is that there are private tests. I just don't think that in this current situation where it is a matter of public health, it is a matter where symptomatic people can't get these tests because they're not available, well, then why are there private tests, I guess, is my bigger issue. Like, I don't know that that's okay. And the the practical side of me points out, like, well, what are you going to do about it? There's nothing that can be done about it. There's going to be private, you know, tests and all that. And and sure, that's that's all true. But I think it's sort of a bad look for us as a society that you know that that, it, that it's possible for rich people to get tests that symptomatic people who don't have as much means can't get their hands on. I guess that's my issue more than anything. It's not that the NBA teams are testing. That's good. Like people should be tested for this, but everybody should have access to the to these tests. Every symptomatic person should have access to these tests and. The fact that that isn't the case, I think, is is the is the real kind of problem here. Right. And I think these issues are also just reflective of a lot of issues in society outside of coronavirus testing. I do think it's important that you noted like your issue isn't with NBA teams getting tested. Also, it seems like the only teams that are paying to get tested right now are teams that feel like they have been put in a situation where they are at risk. Mm -hmm. Um if they choose to pay money to get tested, it doesn't seem like your issue is with that. It's with the fact that they have the ability to do that. And like it, the average person doesn't. Is yeah, that it, correct? It's more it's more a problem with the private companies, I guess, selling their life saving, you know, potentially life saving tests to the highest bidder more than the NBA being that highest bidder. I will sense. say that I think there are some private labs that are interested in opening up their testing to like a wider audience, but there's just a lot to do with like the FDA and like I think the federal government has to get involved with how that exactly works. But yeah, I see your point for sure. So also in regard to testing, just the Celtics update, the team was tested on Saturday and we are awaiting their results. They should be shared publicly similar to how the Nets have shared their results, but they just won't obviously name the players as far as I know, um, if anybody does test positive, but they hopefully will be releasing those, I don't know, tomorrow, Friday. 
Um, but yeah, the Celtics, I think there was some belief that they all had tested positive for some reason. I saw that on Twitter or sorry, not tested positive, <laughs> tested negative. I saw that on Twitter that everyone seemed to think that they were clear, but I think it was just that they had not yet been tested. So no one had tested positive, if that makes sense. Right. I think there was a, uh, a Ramona Shelburne story that had a, uh, a, 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 an anecdote in it that was maybe misinterpreted a little bit by members okay. of Celtics Twitter. Um, but yes, that, yeah, they're obviously when, when that comes back, they won't be releasing any names. If anybody does test positive, I would expect that at least a couple of those names will leak out. It's, you know, it's the NBA. It's a gossipy, it's a gossipy <laughs> league. So I would imagine that we will at least know that. Um, what uh what else did Adam Silver say that that stood out to you? You know, obviously we talked about the testing. He mentioned quite a bit about when the league might come back, how it might look when it does come back. What stood out to you about those comments? So he basically laid out three options if the league were to come back. One, operate like normal. I think it's safe to say since you believe we should shut everything down anyway that that's probably not going to happen. I mean, I would agree, but I'll, but also, you know, like, <laughs> who I'm knows? Really dumb. Nobody should listen to me. Yeah. There's so much uncertainty. Who knows? But obviously, option one, operate like normal. Option two is no fans. And so, what would that mean? He seemed to lay out a situation where doctors and health officials can sort of determine that it's safe to play based on various protocols that teams can institute. So it's like everyone gets tested. Okay, you're all quarantined. Now you're safe to play. He did indicate that there might be a way for fans to interact virtually, um, which could be cool to see what they come up with there. But um, no fans, which also I think bleeds into something that we discussed in our original coronavirus episode that games might be played like at the Auerbach Center instead of TD Garden or like smaller venues. A couple of things about that. The first thing that I will say is I just when we when I talk about not being able to play in front of fans anytime like I I think that's the no brainer. Like I I don't I don't think there's any chance that the NBA is able to have 17,000 variable people in an arena at one time. Uh, watching a game like that just that just doesn't seem plausible based on on where we're at right now like we don't know if when you build up antibodies that that will then prevent you from getting this particular strain of the flu again like that that's where we're at right now like we don't know so for me chop that one off there's going to be no fans for the rest of this year and then we'll see what happens when the next year rolls around as for playing in front of no fans even then you're talking about 50 to you know 70 people in a traveling party you're talking about guys sweating on each other guys you know like banging into each other just tons of contact everybody breathing around each other that's even so that's that's really hard to uh to sort of control that environment and that's where we're at like we're looking for in controlled environments and we will see if that's possible but i have a hard time i don't you know i thought adam silver was really smart not to rule anything out I thought he did a good job of avoiding saying anything definite. But again, you know, I've said this before. I have a really, really hard time imagining the NBA coming back this season. And I do wonder if the NBA does come back without fans and they do get to the playoffs, whether they'll maybe just choose like a neutral site since home court advantage won't really be a thing with fans. I mean, obviously playing on your home floor sort of provides an advantage. Like, you know, the baskets a little bit better and like, I guess the parquet. 
but I could see the NBA picking like a neutral arena and just having both teams stay there for the duration of a seven game series. So that way they don't have Mm -hmm. to like fly or travel back and forth. So yeah, I could see that being an option. He did note that if the league does come back, he doesn't know whether they would play regular season games or if they would go immediately into the playoffs. I've made my point very, I've made my opinion very uh, loudly on this, but I just don't think that there's (laughs) any, like, I don't think that they could do any regular season. So I think they'd be looking at mini camp and then playoffs in the best possible outcome. So option three seems to be one maybe Tom will be on board with. It is that the NBA sort of holds a fundraiser with a group of healthy players. And the point would be to quote boost the national psyche and it's sort of an event for like the collective good of the people just having some semblance of sports back for people to watch yeah i mean (laughs) we can get into a lot of different aspects of this but just initially i guess my my question would be one would the players be trying would they care or which players could you get that would try and would care like to me, I, I don't necessarily know that like a bunch of like pickup games played in a safe, secure location are going to people might people will be pretty starved for entertainment. So maybe that would be really good. But to me, if you were going to do this, um, I, I, we've talked about this quite a bit about you know creative problem solving here. How creative can you get with it? Like, would you do like could you do like a three on three tournament with you know some of the best players in the world? Like, I would watch that. Could you do, you know, maybe a mini, maybe like a mini all-star weekend where there's like events like a one-on-one tournament where guys like, I would watch that, you know, I just don't necessarily know. Like I know what NBA basketball looks like and it looks really, really good. Like it's an amazing product. It is like the best players in the world going, you know, really hard at one another. And that's really fun to watch. And if, if, if you're bringing it back, Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm underselling how starved for basketball people will be and they would watch, you know, sort of like a watered down version. But if you can't guarantee that guys are going to be trying and guys are going to be engaged, I kind of have a hard time imagining that that's going to be a good product. So I actually think fans will be down. Like, I think the hiatus will just be so long that they would take anything at that point. Yeah. A quick side note is (laughs) when the NBA locked itself out, if I recall correctly, a bunch of fans watched a live stream of like Kevin Durant and LeBron James playing flag football against each other. So <laughs> you're probably right that people would take anything they can get their hands on. But continue. I wonder if players would be down. They would have to introduce, I think, like a cash prize of some sorts. Like I'm sure players are really frustrated. I think all of them understand how necessary it was for the league to shut down. But like as Adam Silver notes, a lost year means a lot especially for like LeBron James and injury prone players and just guys are aging. They want this year. Like I would imagine just like very frustrating if it were entirely a wash. Oh yeah. Um, maybe they will miss the game so much too, though, that they would be down just to get back out there. But I would imagine it would be sort of difficult for them to like motivate themselves. Well, I think those are two separate points because I think on the one hand, you have a bunch of guys for whom this season means a lot. Obviously, I think if you asked anybody on the Milwaukee Bucks, they like the fact that this is, I mean, they were, they were on pace to win, you know, some high sixties number of games. They were on pace to make a run at the NBA finals. Like 
the Giannis and Tetacumpo, like his free agency decision was I mean, largely, yeah, it sounds like it was largely based on what was going to happen this year. And I, I have no idea what kind of a variable this throws or what kind of a wrench this throws into, into his decision-making process. So I think that's the one point. I guess the other point, though, like, yes, this season means a lot. But, you know, I think the other point, though, is that NBA players as a whole have really, really been amazing about sort of raising awareness, but also just kind of understanding what this means to the general public. I mean, we've I mean, seen... at least publicly. Yeah, but I mean, in their actions, their actions have been really meaningful, like. Kevin Love and Giannis and all these guys have donated money to arena workers. They they understand that there are people who are going to be really hurting from this. But I think they can still be like completely frustrated. You know Definitely. what I mean? Like I, but I, I think, don't. But I but I think that if if Adam Silver was was promoting this as something that was going to boost the national psyche and was sort of promoting it as a common good type of thing, I do think there is some you know. There, there's some potential there for for these players who have cared deeply about, you know, the the national psyche that have cared deeply oh, about I see saying, the common yeah. good. I mean that they might be they might be willing to do something like that. And obviously, I think there would be you know cash prizes. I think there would be you know maybe a donation to charity or something that would matter to these guys. But they, I mean, I've been I've been really impressed with NBA players and how much they care about you know, sort of the public in all of this and how much they're willing to like, you know, put out these goofy little messages about like, hey, make sure you stay home, make sure you wash your hands. Like they, they do seem to care about, I guess, their fans and, you know, the, the the nation at large in a way that would make me think that perhaps they would be down to do something just to, to sort of give people an outlet, give people an event to watch, give people something to do as they're all, you know, trying to trying to deal with this crisis. I wonder like, how the announcements would come out like whether it be one announcement the nba is canceled like it's not coming back and then in the same announcement like we're doing this fundraiser or whether it would be like we're doing this fundraiser we're not sure if the nba is coming back you know what i mean like how they would handle the timing and stuff yeah I don't it's know. hard to say like i yeah. don't know <laughs> i don't have any good answers for that one but yeah i mean there's there's all kinds of variables that would that would really complicate that you mentioned that Silver talked about what might happen, how they might get any kind of basketball product back on the floor. What did he talk about in terms of plans if this is done? Like if the season does shut down, did he did he did he talk about that at all? Did he even like acknowledge that possibility? Where did he come at that from? So he was asked whether like this might influence the calendar moving forward. He said he doesn't know. He was asked, okay, say the season is done now is James Harden the scoring champ like how are those awards distributed and also are we still voting for MVP all NBA things like that he was like I'm not going to go there yet so he I feel like doesn't want to entertain those possibilities at least like publicly yet but yeah I don't know what that would mean if the season is done for sure for sure so the last thing that we'll say here, and just to transition out of out of silver and all the uh, talk about what might happen with the NBA, because it's all so uh, so nebulous at this point that neither of us really knows what's going on, obviously. But I did really enjoy on Instagram today, Jalen Brown posted uh, a meme of when you find out your normal daily lifestyle is called quarantine. Well, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Is that a monkey or something uh, making a face? But yeah. I did want to just briefly touch on this and it's, it's certainly not a novel point by any means, but this is, this is hard. Like the, this 
quarantine, everything that's going on right now, the uncertainty that the NBA is dealing with. And when I say that I feel for Adam Silver in a lot of ways, this is kind of what I'm talking about. Like, in a lot of ways, this has sort of leveled the playing field for all of us. Like, we're all in the same situation where we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how this is going to go. We don't know when and if things are going to return to normal. We don't know what normal is going to be like when everything does come back. So I guess, you know, one of the last things that I, that I just want to say about all this is, like, when we talk about the NBA coming back, in a lot of ways, we're speculating because we don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen. But, like, it is kind of nice to think about a time in the future when we might get some form of normalcy, whether that's the NBA season coming back, whether that's just seeing NBA basketball players on a court playing for the national psyche again. Like, that is, you know, that's more what we're talking about as opposed to, like, trying to project something. It's just kind of, it, it, it's nice to picture those type of things because they are something that we can imagine in the future as opposed to the next couple of months where it's it's basically impossible to know if that makes any sense. Yeah, uncertainty is really hard. Um, I feel like it's hard in all aspects of life. And then obviously when it comes to global health and a pandemic, it's even harder. And actually like this podcast has been really nice timing. Like obviously it sucks that no games are happening, but it's been like a good project for me. I don't know about you, but to sort of like occupy my time and to sort of still feel like I have purpose. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you guys have any feedback, please feel free to tweet at us or send us an email. Um, my Twitter is at Nicole C. Yang and Tom is at Tom underscore MBA. Send um, all compliments to me and send all criticisms to Nicole. <laughs> Our next episode, we're actually going to have a guest. I think Tom teased that at the end of the last episode, but we really mean it this time. I want to shout out our, our planned guest. I won't give away who it was because we are going to have him on in the future, but like the guy tried to spent like an hour and a half with us this morning trying to deal with like our technical difficulties and we just swung and missed badly. So looking forward to uh, not doing that on <laughs> for, for Monday's episode. We're still learning. We're trying. But yeah, we have a guest lined up for Monday that we're really excited about. But yeah, I keep saying, but yeah, um, wash your hands. I don't know. Stay safe. Cut that all out, Tom. <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, all right, guys, thank you for tuning in and we will talk to you guys on Monday. As Nicole said, please stay safe. Please be nice to your delivery drivers and uh, everybody else that is doing real work while the rest of us make podcasts and drop dumb things into Slack. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.